from Creative Force. I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. We've discussed metrics on this podcast before, pulling from the wealth of knowledge that is my colleague, Adam Parker, who you can catch on episode one and 21 of this show. Today, our guest is Todd Schweikert, VP of Studio Production at Rue Guilt Group, who shares with us a little about the importance of metrics and making day-to-day decisions in operating their studio. Todd tells us how his team employs metrics to help support studio staff and keep overtime in check, and gives us a few tips on keeping perspective and context when you're deep in the data. Sometimes we get too pigeonholed in metrics and think we're driving the bus when all along we're a rider in that bus. We just need to make sure that everyone that is being held accountable for those metrics have input and can offer their perspective. For that nugget of wisdom and more, let's jump into this episode right now. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. I am your host, Daniel Jester. My guest today on the show, VP of studio production for Rue Guilt Group, Todd Schweikert. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you are coming to me from your studio in Kentucky. How are things in Kentucky today? Things are good. We are on the precipice of holiday, so we're enjoying the weather and then getting ready for the increase in what we anticipate to be a pretty successful holiday season for us. Yeah, this is the time of the year that things start to get really busy in the studio. Right before Halloween, product is rolling in and you got to get those images up and online. But we're not here to talk about weather in the Ohio River Valley. We're here to talk (laughs) about today. We're going to have a little conversation around metrics. So you and I spoke last week or the week before, and we were talking a little bit about studio metrics and looking at, you know, how important measuring the performance is and, you know, sending our reports up to the leadership chain and within the studio and outside of the studio and all of the stakeholders. But one of the interesting things that we touched on was the ways that we can use metrics and data internally and to sort of make tactical decisions about how to operate the studio, looking for bottlenecks, load balancing sets, all of those kinds of things. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. So we got to figure out where to start to kind of unpack this. But why don't you tell me a little bit about your sort of overarching philosophy around studio metrics, how you share those things with your team, and then we can dig into a little bit about how some of this information can help you make decisions on a day-to-day to make sure that your teams are load balanced and everybody's got the work that they need and nobody's overloaded. When we talk about studio metrics, there's two elements. One is, how are we working and producing for the benefit of the business? How are we producing for the benefit of our member? And what are the metrics we need to look at to accomplish those? The other side of the metric side is, really, how are we working within our metrics to support our associates? support their capabilities, support their ambition to push the envelope, while at the same time anticipate schedule shifts and factor that in while our schedules are in the process of shifting. So Hmm. for me, metrics really are those two elements. One side is business reporting. The other side is associate satisfaction. I think that's a really interesting angle because we think a lot about metrics as measuring performance And without taking that next sort of logical step of performance as a reflection of people's satisfaction in their work or the amount of work they have available 
to them to do. And one of the really interesting things that you shared with me is this idea of load balancing, seeing work coming in and saying, oh, we're going to be heavy on this set. Can we repurpose other things and using it to literally make in the moment decisions to make sure that no one team is overloaded and that other teams aren't sitting around maybe with nothing to do. It was one of the bigger challenges for any studio with high volume productions. For us, it really came down to measuring a lot of different aspects of our business. When we started looking at this, one of the challenges we had was if we knew how much needed to be produced in a single day, and we knew how much a photographer and a stylist could work through, on the day that the product would arrive, the styling may be different, different elements would change, and that day would either become lengthened or shortened. Hmm. And lengthening the day definitely created issues. We would go into overtime. People would plan their day around, obviously, work. And so they would run into some personal challenges. And the only way to really compensate for that would be to either stay later or start the next day earlier or, or just you know start to try to get creative on how to still work through all that. On the flip side, we would have that same issue, but maybe the day would wrap a half a day early. Really, that would come down to you're either paying for freelance that isn't being fully utilized or from a project perspective, if we can't anticipate that a team will have a half a day available, we may not put a project in place knowing that that team was already associated with a photo set. If we knew that that photo set was only going to be a half a day, we could have implemented a project for that team to work on. Right. But because they worked through the product much quicker than anticipated, it would leave the project a bit up in the air. And as a studio, that affects our innovation and affects our ability to have some personal projects accomplished as well. So for us, measuring, and I know that's always the, where do you start to measure? How do you measure? That's the big topic. Right. We start at high level. We start measuring at accessories, handbags, footwear. And then from there, you start to break it into categories. Well, what type of footwear? What brands of footwear? We started to really get down to a more granular level and for business reporting, we report at a higher level. We report at that accessories, footwear, handbag. But for our, what I would call associate satisfaction, that granular reporting became really important for that team. So we do measure the UPH all the way you know, down to at a brand level across many of our categories. I think when I started, we had 12 categories in general that we measured. And now we're at 3,600 because we are at brands, which seems a bit intense, but it's given us the ability to truly measure a set to say this set should take a team eight hours. And it's a very complex combination of brands and product mix. And it gives us that ability to know how that set should be scheduled. What's beneficial is things happen. People call out. Product shows up later than you expect. So when we find ourselves in a situation where when a set was planned to a certain capacity, and if it looks like we're falling off track, we do keep tabs on every hour, the team that's on that set, we can see where they're at. So we can see at a percentage level, how far are they in their day. And if we start to see that the team is falling off track, we already know how many styles by which category we need to move off 
to another set so that we can start to load balance. Hmm. That started to change how we thought about our day. That started to change how we worked through our product. You know, for Rue Gilt Group, we are a flash model business. And so our events change. Our timelines are tight, and we want to make sure we work through product as fast as possible. So it's really important for us to fill in every gap that we have whenever we're met with some form of possible delay or other challenge. Right. I was going to mention that as important context, I think, for this conversation, which is that Guilt Group being, you know, Guilt Group, I know it encompasses several things, but Guilt primarily is a flash sale site. And I, you know, one of my earlier jobs was in product photography for Hotlook when I don't think Hotlook is really operating like it used to anymore. But the timelines and the needs are a little bit different than your typical sort of e-com brand or retailer because you have stuff going live every day. And it's sort of like these small capsules of collections of things, at least the way that Hotlook operated. And so you had to have everything shot for that collection in order for it to be able to go live. And unbeknownst to the studio, the merchandising teams were moving flash sales around and all of these different things. And so you sometimes are, like you mentioned, working on very, very short timeframes and really having that granular level of detail becomes vital to understanding how to operate your studio And from my own experience at Farfetch also, you know, right on about getting to know more details beyond the category. For example, at Farfetch, we had certain brands that we knew took twice as long to shoot, even though they were dresses. Category of dresses is a very big category, but we knew if something was coming in this brand, we could not expect our normal sort of work through rate to work for that brand because they were just more involved. The styling considerations were bigger all of those kinds of things. How does your team respond to this level of detail in their ability to work? It sounds to me like you're approaching it from the aspect of, I want to help my team feel supported. What is your team's general sort of feeling about the way that you guys handle day-to-day and hour-to-hour metrics in the studio? Well, I think it's received well. I think one of the things that I really appreciate is it wouldn't work without their feedback. This is not a top-down approach. This is something that is it absolutely requires their feedback, their perspective. And when they have feedback on the process and when they're made aware of why it's happening, here's how it works, then they become part owners in the process and then they care about it as well, especially when they can start to see the benefit of both the feeling of, wow, we just worked through a lot of stuff today, as well as the same feeling of, and I didn't have to spend an extra two hours to get that done. So I think once you gain in on their personal buy-in, their point of view, then it becomes really powerful. Then you start to have the individuals come to you and say, I know we have metrics for this category and we know we have metrics for this brand, but styling has changed. We're seeing more swimwear with items that have to be tied where last Mm -hmm. season that wasn't the case. Maybe we should adjust this to be more effective. And We've made some upgrades to our tool sets over the last year and a half that give us that ability. But without that feedback and without them caring, we may not. And what's been really fascinating is if we make an adjustment to a UPH, and although it might, let's say, lower the UPH in some regard, we're spending more time on some of this product, but it looks better and the member Mm -hmm. has a better experience. Too many times if we try to run all product at a high rate, the team will rush through it and it may not be our best product. So this kind of helps really level set what the team can handle from a volume perspective while at the same time maintaining quality and putting the member first, making sure that they have the best 
available product to them. Is there any feedback loop back to maybe your teams that are putting together these collections in order to let them know like, hey, there are some categories or some types of things that take a lot longer for us. And so there may need to be some expectation setting on ability to shoot. I just, it flashed in my mind that maybe the merch teams at Guilt are putting together a collection of gladiator sandals and strappy (laughs) bathing suits, and they're going to say they need it tomorrow. So is there a way for you guys to connect some of your granular data back to, you know, estimated realistic timeframes for when that product could be shot and go live on the site? Yeah, so we do standard reviews with our merchants. For us, it's kind of a two-pronged approach. One is, what do they feel they need from a merchant perspective to show? And then how can we facilitate that? And if it means, as I like to refer to it as an investment, it's not a cost. I mean, it's an investment where if we're going to spend more time, we're doing that to make something better. So if there's an investment, we share that with them. If something's going to take longer. Now, on the flip side, when they come to us with some ideas, we may come back and say, or we could work this way. If you're happy with this result, this actually is a more effective, efficient way in the studio. You know, if we do get a last minute, hey, here's a massive PO of gladiator sandals that we need it to run tomorrow. In some cases, there are scenarios where we'll say, okay, well, we're going to have to add two or three more sets. We're not going to try to get Mm. it out of one person. And how do we go about adding those sets? So that's the benefit, I think, in some regard, where we can look at the product mix and Mm. know how to break up that product mix so that each set is actually hitting their quote-unquote eight-hour day versus one being out of six and one out of 10. That makes so much sense to me to have that level of granularity because you know, from other aspects of the business... All you really need to think about is category. And we had this conversation with Colleen at REI on her podcast episode about, you know, the category of backpacks can encompass dramatically different amount of time to work on. You know, a day pack or a laptop backpack that's very simple does not take nearly the level of time or the number of images that a technical hiking backpack or day pack might need. And oftentimes from outside of the studio business partners, all they really care about is the category. But at the studio level, it's like, okay, we're getting 100 backpacks. Well, hold on. What kind of backpacks? Mm -hmm. Because 100 backpacks of this type could be a couple of days. 100 backpacks of this type could be a couple of weeks if we put it on one set. So that's how I operated also at Amazon. I would hold off from making specific decisions about staffing and where I was going to put my teams until I could actually lay eyes on the product if I knew it was a category that could come back to bite me. The category would sometimes just be sports and outdoors. Okay, it might be 100 golf balls. It might be 100 kayaks. Those are like entirely different, you know, situations there. So having that level of granularity is an absolute must, I think. And I've often done, I think, kind of what you're describing, too, is taking production data around something like shoes and then saying, okay, let's dig into the brand or the style of the shoe and see if there's any significant data differences here. Like, you know, shoes as a whole took this amount of time to shoot, but then this one is like the major outlier and you start to see that kind of repetitive. It's it's very nerdy, but I find it very <laughs> exciting and interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, I think, you know, for a lot of individuals in in production and creative production, I think that we like to solve puzzles. And I think that when we're met with that ask of, hey, it'd be great to shoot it this way. And when we have the data to support 
the reason to or to not shoot it that way, what typically happens is, okay, guys, let's figure this out. Like, how can we change our process? What can we do differently? Do we incorporate a different technology to support the ask at hand? It's not always just scheduling. It's sometimes incorporating different elements within our process so that we can maybe use compositing, Mm. something that has added benefit in our studio. So I think that being able to have that granular view of how to schedule just helps support the data analysis to approach multiple angles or improving product imagery. And when that starts to hit to a head, that's where you can start looking at how, from a technology standpoint, could we think about this differently to support it as well. One of the things that I think is very exciting about the way that you've operated this and when you mentioned about it being the ground up approach that I I always found super satisfying as a studio leader is when your teams see these things coming themselves and they start to rally around getting the work done. You know, when your teams are involved in passing up this information and it's like before even somebody needs to step out and say, we got to do some load balancing here. You've already got people who have identified the bottleneck and are operating to clear it. I think that's very exciting and it's very satisfying to have built a team and a system of metrics that enables people to respond proactively to something as opposed to just like siloed and focused on their own thing. Very satisfying. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that is one of the biggest benefits aside from the ability to schedule and have that work out is to see others, to see individuals take ownership of the process, to be invested in the process, to be empowered about the process. Those are the things I feel once they are familiar with those metrics and then all of a sudden they're driving they're not at the whim of production flow they're hmm. they're actually driving the production flow which is super beneficial it's what we need to be effective it's a very small perspective shift but it's another one todd you're full of them man it's another <laughs> slight i hadn't really thought about it or certainly heard it articulated that way but it really can often sort of feel like you're being overwhelmed by a river of production when you're in a studio that it doesn't feel like you can kind of control that thing. But if you can shift that perspective, build a few tools and put a few things in place and empower your team, now they're channeling that information and it just feels entirely different. And one of the things that you touched on that I think is also really important is all of this is a way to not just get the work done, but make sure that your teams aren't being, or segments of your team isn't being totally overwhelmed or burnt out by the work. And I think that that's a really admirable approach that benefits us all. We do better work when we're happier and we don't feel overwhelmed. And the last few years, there's been a lot going on, like we were talking about just before we started recording. There's been a lot going on that we know that everybody's baseline for feeling overwhelmed is much higher than it used to be. So you mentioned earlier around that this is not like a top-down process. This is a bottom-up process. I want to talk about what mechanisms you have in place for collecting that sort of feedback from the studio teams that help guide your decision-making about what metrics you're looking at, what things you're considering when you're looking at how to operate the studio. What do you have in place to collect that feedback from those teams and get it out into the broader production organization? Well, from a metrics perspective, we use Airtable to manage our process. And what's nice with that, it's collaborative, it's online, and everyone can see everyone else's progress. We have like a studio dashboard where we can see how everyone's performing and what's happening. What's beneficial there is when we have our 
photo team touch bases and our styling team touch bases, which happen bi-weekly, either in those meetings or in between those meetings, the individuals who are working on those sets will share, hey, this seemed right on, this metric seemed right on, or this metric seems like we should adjust it. And that's one of the benefits with Airtable is it's really quick to just update and it affects the calendar instantly. So that feedback is huge. The other couple other things that we look at, aside from just production metrics, is we do a weekly hits and misses type of blast to the teams to say, hey, Mm. here's what looks amazing, and here's some things that could use some work. Or for one other reason, it's it's a different brand that we got in, and, and we need to approach it maybe differently. Weekly, those hits are successful in the fact that you know, they look great. The team right. did a great job. And typically, those same hits were in alignment with our metrics. They weren't at a cost. They were on point, which was great. And a lot of times, any of the other conversations around how to improve performance, it's happening in our photo team touch base, our styling team touch base, our imaging team touch base. And we do have a consolidated team touch base just because there are things that the imaging team works on that is great feedback for the photo team and vice versa the photo team with the styling team. And again, it's not siloed. Everyone is working on a single product. And it's really important to make sure those teams are are all talking. Not to pry too much for potentially proprietary information, but I'm assuming imaging is not exactly camera on set team, right? Like there's other ways that you capture data around a product that isn't the traditional photographer and stylist relationship. Yeah. Now, how do you mean? So I, like at Amazon, we had imaging devices that were operated by oh. people who are more like operation specialists. And that was somewhat different from the photography sort of workflow. So yeah. Because you're specifying imaging and photo teams. And I, I was wondering if that's what you're kind of referring to. There's other ways of capturing the product that is not the traditional photo team. I'll be honest. We are a very traditional photo studio. Hmm. We have a photographer capturing. We have, uh, they're setting the lights, they're running Capture One. We have stylists who have prepped and or are styling the product. And then our imaging team is taking the actual image that has been produced and they are cleaning it up. They're Oh, so the imaging is more like a post-production team. Post-production team, that's Got correct. Uh, we it. have post-production in-house as well as some third-party services that we'll utilize. But yeah, what's beneficial with that is as a studio... Outside of having metrics and instant feedback from a metrics perspective, we also have instant feedback from if a photographer shot something at 10 a.m., the imager has it by 11, and they're maybe giving feedback to the photographer by noon about, Hmm. hey, this fill card is creating more reflection than we want, and and maybe we should reshoot it. And that's respected. I think the photographers rely on the imagers. The imagers also rely on the stylists and the photographers. I think once we start to incorporate individual ownership and they look at it as a collective team effort, that's where you really start to see everyone moving in the same direction, which is super beneficial. So Todd, we're just about at the end of time for this episode, but I kind of want to cap off our conversation with some ideas from you around our data and our metrics. So I'm going to ask you this question to give our listeners, maybe something a little bit that you've learned over your time working in this way. What are some things that we should be doing with our data that we may not be doing? And what are some things that we shouldn't be doing with our data or metrics? Take it away. Ooh, that's a good one. I would say one thing that you absolutely need to do when it comes to metrics is you have to understand what goes into them. You have to understand what makes them, what are the obstacles to them, what could throw them off. I think that's key. 
for a lot of reasons. One, you have to be able to explain to your business partners how to forecast, how to operate, how to set expectations, as well as run your studio, talk to your individuals. If you don't have a full understanding of what goes into those metrics, you're operating at a deficit. Mm -hmm. On the don't side, that's interesting. I would say don't keep it to yourself. I would say nice when you learn about those, when you start to explore metrics, make sure you share with your team. Sometimes your point of view is limited and you need your team's perspective to shine light on that. And so I think sometimes we get too pigeonholed in metrics and think we're driving the bus when all along we're a rider in that bus. We just need to make sure that everyone that is being held accountable for those metrics have input and can offer their perspective. Very good insight. And that ties almost directly back to a past episode with uh, my colleague here at Creative Force, Adam Parker, where he talked about being humble with your data. Don't assume that you understand or have the right perspective on it. And I think that that's a brilliant key takeaway. Todd, thank you so much for your time today and talking with us. I think that conversation was really insightful and I really loved hearing that added perspective around performance metrics really being a reflection of employee satisfaction. I love that. That's going to be like top of the list of key takeaways for the episode for me. But again, thank you for your time and your insight and for joining us on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and I appreciate the podcast. And I think it's a valuable asset to everybody that's in our industry. It's great to see. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to hear it. One last thing before we go. Do you have anything that you want to plug for guilt? Any exciting upcoming things? Any open roles that you're trying to fill? Anything that we can share to our network? We do have some open roles. We're always looking for talented photographers, talented stylists, imagers, as well as management roles. And you can find those on our Rue Guilt group site. Amazing. Well, we'll grab the link and put that in the show notes for the listeners. But Todd, thanks again, and uh, hope to have you back sometime in the future. We can continue the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's all we have for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes for links to connect with Todd and see the currently open roles available at Rue Guild Group. Many thanks to our guest, Todd Schweikert, and thanks to you, the listener, for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to my friend, Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Mm-hmm.